So Father, we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning. Thank you for the presence and the power that you are to us and that which reveals the glory and the power of God to a dark and evil generation. Thank you for visiting us this morning and revealing us to us things we need to know in this hour. Awaken us to the things of the Spirit and impart to us that which is being designated for us and let no restriction, no stoppage, no stumbling block ever be able to take even an iota of it away from us. As you release it to us, we thank you for what lies ahead and we give you all the glory, the honor and the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord has been speaking about light and darkness to me and what it means that uh, that in the last days we need to understand about light and darkness. And you know, Jesus has built a bridge from darkness into light and vice versa. Uh, he's done that through his blood. So when you think about light and darkness, you think about two separate places where in one there's plenty of good things and the other place there's plenty of evil things. But God chose to create the earth and to place us in the midst of darkness. Amen? And let his light shine. So what does it mean when he says, I'm going to let my light shine in the midst of darkness? So this is how we've got to understand the relationship between light and darkness. And what this bridge is between darkness and light and light and darkness. So Jesus spoke about himself being a door. And he also said to Nathaniel that he said, because you believe, you will see angels ascending and descending upon me. Amen. So we know that there's a portal, a portal into the heavenly realm through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does this portal bring is what we've got to understand. And the portal is first of all to be recognized as the Son of God, Jesus the Christ. Secondly, it brings us eternal salvation and life on earth in the midst of evil, in the midst of darkness. Most people are spending time in their prayer life and in their relationship with Christ saying, deliver me from evil. And that's not a bad thing. Okay? But when you know and understand the power of the blood and what it is that Jesus has done, you're already delivered from evil. He, he prayed in John 17, Jesus prayed saying, Father, I say that you do not take them out of the world, but that you keep them from evil. So there is a hedge around us. There is a protection around us from evil. What we've got to understand about darkness is that there are several types of darkness and there are several shades of darkness. So when I say several types of darkness, I mean that there is a day and night, there is a physical darkness, there is spiritual darkness, there's mental oppression, all this sort of stuff is all got to do with darkness. It's got nothing to do with light. Amen? And within that you've got shades of darkness. So when we say shades of darkness, you've got mist, you've got twilight, you've got all sorts of different colors of darkness that the devils and the evil one and what is in the darkness hide behind. Amen? And we've got to know how to deal and move in this because not everyone will portray complete darkness, not everyone will act in complete darkness, and, and not everyone is in complete 
balance. So we will know how to deal with each one of those scenarios by recognizing through the Holy Spirit, the discernment of the Holy Spirit, what it is that we are dealing with when we're talking about balance. So let's go to Acts chapter 26. And we're going to look at a very familiar passage, but a very powerful passage of Apostle Paul as soon after he has met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he has uh, had a problem uh, understanding his commission but then God reveals all that to him and he goes on that journey and he's going about doing his business then he comes and he becomes a prisoner and King Agrippa has got a hold of him and he's explaining to King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26 what actually happened to him on the road to Damascus. So let's pick it up at verse 16. But rise and stand up, or stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Deliver thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom thou hast sent thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. So here is Paul taking up a commission that Jesus had given him. And he says that he was faithful to it. He went about doing this and he started with the coast of Jerusalem and, and Israel and then he went into the Gentiles. So he identified these people and he went into their presence and he taught the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many things happen, wonderful things happen. So what happened? That's what we're going to see. First is, their eyes were opened. Amen? You know, when I was preaching in Mangalam, uh, this time, which you saw there, and 15 people gave their, between 8 and 15 gave their lives to the Lord. And before that, I was teaching on making sure you don't bring objects that are demonized into your home. And I used the example of some plastic flowers hanging off the wall. And I said, when you go to the marketplace and you buy something like that, you don't think twice about it, you just buy it and bring it to your house. And I said, it could be demonized, you know. And the pastor started to mock me from behind. And he was laughing and making jokes and carrying on but can't buy anything and all this stuff. Now, I could have rebuked him, but I didn't, right? Uh, I just kept quiet and he kept on doing it. He was laughing, he was making it known to the congregation. So then I finally said to the congregation, I said, listen, this is not a joke. This is a matter of life and death. And as I was speaking to them, I could see their eyes open. Wow. I could literally see, spiritually speaking, their eyes open. Dawn of revelation. A dawning of realization that maybe 
in their homes. Right? They've got stuff that's causing the problems that they have. And then I gave the altar call, 15 came and got saved. Then I gave the altar call again, and another 20 came, and they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And some of them were people who didn't even know what a Bible was. Mm. Right? Now, when God poured out His Spirit, what I saw was the love of God for these people. That's what I saw. In Mumbai slums, I saw that, and I saw this here in Mangalam. And, and it was amazing. And I said, God, you know, you, you, you're just giving them your spirit. They don't know anything about you. He said, yeah, I don't know. It was an amazing thing that took place right before my eyes. So it's turning people from darkness to light. You must know what that means. You must know the kind of darkness that they're in and then pull them into the light. There's only one light. His name is Jesus. Amen? So you don't have to worry about that equation. That always stays constant. That never changes. So all you're doing is working out what state of darkness they're in and bringing them out. Some of them could be Christians. Some of them could be people who are in great oppression and depression by the devil. But they're believers and they don't know. Right? You've got to know how to treat that situation as well. So then, the second thing that Paul talks about is turning people from the power of Satan to God. Right? So now we have to understand what is the power of Satan. So we know the power of Satan is death, stealing, killing, destroying, and causing division and oppression and jealousy and hatred and, you know, moving the governments of the world to fight with one another. He's got all agendas, all sorts of agendas. But when you are called and you are chosen to go out and preach the gospel, you gain, you need to know what you're dealing with. Right? Like if you go to India and you preach the gospel, you're dealing partially with the government. Because the government is a uh, predominantly Hindu government and a, they have a militant wing to them that they send these people out to destroy the churches, to rape, steal, kill, murder, not only the Christians but also the Muslims because they want the Hindus to be predominant in India. I got a message yesterday that China has actually commissioned 15 people in their country to change the Quran and change the Bible and, and, and rewrite it. Okay? So we are not, please don't, don't sit here and think that you are attending church. Okay? That will be the biggest mistake you make. You, you are in the throes of a battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And you are in it. Whether you like it or you don't like it, you are in it. You either can be a victor and an overcomer and more than a conqueror, or you can be a victim. Your choice. Right? So, get up out of where you are and start doing the things God called you to do. And Jesus, when He came to the earth, He started casting demons out. So they came and accused Him and said, You're casting it out by Beelzebub, the king of the, the, the Lord of the flies. And He said, No, I'm casting them out by the finger of God, the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God resides in you and me. See, we walk into these places, then people start manifesting. We don't do anything, we're just there. Yeah. Right? They start manifesting. So what are you doing? Just going to let them manifest? I walk away and say, oh, I can't handle this. No. You're there for that reason. 
get a hold of that devil and cast him out. Yep. So that God's people can be set free and they, it's not for your glory, it's not to say, oh I can cast out demons, right? or oh, I'm more powerful than demons. No, you're there for a job, do it. Right? God sent you there for that reason. But you must know what you're doing and you must be prepared to do what God has called you to do no matter what the cost is. Because accusation, false accusation will come against you like it came against Jesus. Right? False accusation will come. People will conjure up things to say about you and about what you're doing. So this guy ran away from Denmark because he was casting out demons. He was having a great move of God over there for years and years and years. And then Denmark passed, passed a, a, a law saying you cannot cast out demons. So he ran with his wife and his kids because they wanted to take the kids and make them the ward of the state. So now he's in Florida doing the same thing. So you think, now what? What? Denmark? Yes, Denmark. Yeah. Right? It's coming. In big time, big time, Europe, America, all these places, they're all going to go under. Because there's something that's coming that is much worse than what we've had up to now. And I'm not preaching gloom and doom because the power that is in us, the light that shines through us, is greater than all the darkness that's coming. Amen? And that is already in the world. So then Paul says, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins through repentance and turn to God. Right? Why are you preaching the gospel? Ah, oh, don't worry brother, just carry on with your fornication. It's alright, just come to church and pay your tithes and everything will be okay. Uh-uh. That's not what we are running church for. This is a harbor and a refuge, right? For the people of God who have been in darkness, sinners, saved by grace, brought into the presence of God, to turn from their wicked ways and turn unto God. So he's given the fivefold ministry to teach us, the church, how to turn to God. Not only repent. Yes, you can repent. You can say sorry. You can say I'm, I'm really, really sorry. Even feel it, cry about it, do all that sort of stuff. But you will never turn to God. Right? Turning to God means accepting His ways in the fullest of what He's saying that you should do and I should do. Yeah. And so it's very, very important. Don't bring people into the church to mollycoddle their sin and to keep them in sin. Get rid of that stupid thing. Right? So that it doesn't have any say in the body of Christ. And then you will find that you've got a good solid Christian who's going to grow and be strong and become a pillar in the body of Christ. Amen? But there will be others who won't accept your ministry. But that's too bad. Then he says, bring, to bring worthy works or works that are worthy or consistent with repentance. So, a person has repented, come to Christ, but he sits in an idol. He doesn't do anything. Right? Now, that, that's not a very good Christian. Right? Because they're not worthy of the repentance. They've not proved that, yes, coming out of darkness into light is for a purpose of glorifying and worshipping God and magnifying God. 
So why should I do that? I thought it was about me. I thought it was about me coming out of darkness into light and then enjoying all the benefits of light. Hey, hang on a second. You are primarily made to be a worshipper. Okay, God, the reason God is saving you is one is He doesn't want you to go to hell and you'll be lost in eternity. The second is He's bringing you into light to worship Him, to be a witness of God's great power, glory, and majesty. And when you are, that is worship unto the Lord. It's not just singing songs and lifting hands and saying, I praise you. No, it is every act of a Christian from then on after repentance that becomes worship unto God. You're, you're the glory of God shining upon this earth. And people look at it and say, wow, is this what we got out of darkness? How did this happen? God says, that's me, that's not you. So bringing work works worthy or consistent with repentance. Amen? With a grateful heart, not with an arrogance. When you give your money, give it with grateful heart. When you do something for somebody, do it with a grateful heart. Amen? And God will bless you for that. Then he says, Paul says, not being disobedient to the vision. Mm. Apostle Paul, you know, he was an incredible guy. He, he got a vision of Jesus um, in, in, his, in his home he was in for three days after the encounter with Jesus. And he got a vision. He saw something. But his eyes had scales. He could not naturally see. But spiritually, he was interacting with the spirit realm and he could see the vision that God had purpose for his life. So, when you talk about calling and destiny, the two different things, right? It's very important to understand the vision. Because if you lose the vision, you lose the destiny. You may still have the calling, you may still go and you may still minister, you may still preach, you may still, still do miracles, signs and wonders and all of those things and that's all got to do with your calling. Okay? But it's not got to do, do with your destiny. So what's got to do with your destiny is incredibly important because God gave you that vision. Mm. And unless you understand that, unless you grab hold of it, you will go here and there, you'll run from this place to that place. See, I don't move till the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Right? Now, God gave me a vision, become the pastor of this church, gave me a word, confirmed it so many times. Become the pastor. July 2018, he changes it. I said, oh Lord, are you changing the vision? He said, no, I'm not. But I'm enhancing it. And I'm making it bigger than what it is. I said, but what about this and what about that? I have taken care of all that. Right? So what's your, what's your problem? Go. But I'm in my natural mind thinking, but what's going to be the reaction? How's it, how's it going to change the scenario over here while I'm over there? He said, don't worry about it. I've got a cupboard. And then you hear bad news. And he said, are you sure you got that cupboard? And he says, yeah, I know what I'm doing. See? So you just back off. And you just... Because right, the devil didn't want me to carry on with my mission. He knew what was coming. He knew all the glory that was coming. He didn't want that. Hundreds and hundreds of lives got touched. Literally hundreds of lives got touched. What you saw on that clip, you know, is nothing compared to what actually took place. And so churches have been changed. People have been changed. Something happened that was really, really powerful. 
And so Paul also went around the countryside, all over the country, and he changed churches, he, he built churches, he planted churches, he revisited them, he enforced the gospel of Jesus Christ into their thinking. They began to understand what it is that the kingdom of God is about. They took hold of it and they grew and they became strong. Paul went on to heaven, you know, became a martyr and went on to heaven. But years after, we still have his teaching. Yeah. Right? That was the heavenly vision for Apostle Paul. And he had taken hold of it when he was physically blind. But when somebody came and laid hands on him, the scales fell off and he began to see what the heavenly vision was. Let's go to Isaiah See what's happening here is that uh, there's an instruction from heaven to arise and shine. He's talking to the nation of Israel, he's talking to the Jewish people. But if you go on reading that particular uh, chapter and 61, you'll see it's talking about Jesus. Okay? And he's talking about, look, your time's come. Right? Somebody said yesterday, between the age born, uh, people who were born between 1946 and 1964 will be the next generation God uses. They are the baby boomers. God's going to use them to change the world, to change the nations of the world. Because they will be silver-haired and grey-haired, but they will have the knowledge, they will have the power, they will have the understanding. See, nothing comes out of uh, a lack of investment. There has to be an investment. There has to be an investment of prayer, sacrifice and suffering before God moves. Amen. 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 Yeah. You cannot, cannot expect to just wake up one day and you'll become, you know, everything. No. There is heartache. There is pain. There is sorrow. There is a disappointment. There is discouragement. There is a, a, a dealing with things of your flesh. There is a thing that you have to put aside and say, God, I don't even want to remember this. I want to walk with you and go into the glory that you have prepared. And he says, listen, that's what I've been trying to tell you all along. Right? But you're not listening. You're still living in the past. You're still thinking about all those things. He says, now, arise, shine. Come with me to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 14. And then we'll come back to Isaiah 16. Wherefore, he said, 
Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See, he's talking about darkness and a light. He's talking about, you know, when do people sleep? They sleep, they sleep in the night when it's dark, when it's physically dark. They sleep. When do the demons come out mostly? At night. Right? So he's saying now, look, awaken means get get real in our colloquialism. That's what it means. He says, get real, right? Stop living in your sorrow and your self-pity and your saying, I, I don't have money and I can't do this because something else has not happened. And God says, I'm not bothered about all that. I want you to rise up. I want you to, because the glory of the Lord has come. It's upon you. You know, I, I know, I know that my ministry has changed. After heart surgery, it, it, it became very evident to me that my preaching had changed. But when I went on this trip, it became very evident to me that my ministry has changed. Okay, something that was, the Lord said, I was shocked at the spontaneous baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then he said, what are you shocked about? I've done it at least half a dozen times before in your ministry. You haven't been paying attention. And then I started recollecting all the times that God did it, starting from the very first missionary trip I took in 1998 when God called me to the full-time ministry. Scared little boy. Right? Didn't know anything about anything except Derek Prince books and what I had read in the Bible. And he said, listen, it's not about what you know. It's about who I am. And it's not you who's going to do this, I'm going to do this. So as the years went by, the confidence grew and the understanding grew. So now I don't have to do anything, I just have to stand there. Right? So I get an awakening, my spirit is awakened. I've come out of the darkness of my mind, the shortness of my thinking. And I'm able to get out of that and I'm able to stand there and become an empty vessel and let God move. And when God moves, the light comes and the light comes, the dawning of the revelation and the realization hits the people. They all come to the altar call and they get baptized in the Holy Ghost. And then they turn around to the pastor and apologize because they, they did not accept what he had taught 15 years ago. So for 15 years they were in darkness. How long are we going to be in darkness? Because we want our way. Because we want to tell God how to run church. No Lord, this is not the way to run church. I've done that. After I came here, I did that. Shocking. That our behavior towards our living God can be in that way. But He's patient. I said, God, you are so patient. You know? And Arun, he says, Arise, shine. He says, Because something bad is coming. He said, Gross darkness. Right? And it's going to be not only over the land, it's going to be over the people. Yeah. And so, how do you, how do you get people out of that? Let's go to Isaiah 40. Is he telling us? Get to it before it happens? <laughs> it's possibly that. What are you saying? Isaiah 45. You've got to go home and read 
Isaiah 60 and 61, and it will awaken you. Isaiah 45, 3. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness, and hidden riches of secret places, that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. <laughs> treasures of darkness. You mean to say darkness has treasures? Wow, it looks like. Let's start with souls. Let's start with souls. The greatest treasure of God's inheritance is a soul. Amen? His inheritance is our soul. Right, so it's all in darkness. Now he puts his hand into darkness. Now I was in hell. And he put his hand into hell and he pulled me out of hell. Showed it to me in a vision. I saw it. Like a movie. There's a, I was a treasure of darkness. And says, no, you're not going to be a treasure of darkness anymore. You're going to be a treasure of light. Amen. Amen. So I'm taking you out of darkness, across the bridge of the blood of Jesus Christ, and through the blood of Jesus Christ, and I'm bringing you into the light. Now, some of us want to go back to the darkness. Thinking that there's some, something there worthwhile. There's nothing worthwhile over there. Amen. Right? But our minds tell us, go back. So when we walk out of the service, we get a rah, 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 God moved, this, that happened, and straight back into that veil that falls over us as we leave church. Mm. I told the people in India, I said, you're poor as poor, you don't even have two cents to run together. You're coming here because you're in trouble. You need, you need two hours of escapism, so you're coming here. And I said, here yeah, you sing, you worship, you jump up and down, you roll on the floor, you do everything. I said, but you're dreading to go home. Because the devil's waiting with a big stick to beat you up. That's why you come to the altar call and expect me to do magic. Right? Lay hands on you and your husband will stop drinking. Lay hands on you and everything will become alright. Your debts will disappear and everything will go there in debt like you would not believe. Even pastors. They said, how come you're in debt? So, you know, what is it that we don't understand? What is it that God is telling us that we don't understand? That you're not using the word. He said, my word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That's the thing that's shining in the darkness. Amen? The word is shining in the darkness. But we never see the word. We're always looking for the manifestation of all the miracles, signs and wonders and all of those things. And the devil will give you that as much as you want. But what is the steady course? What is the foundational course of your Christianity? It's the Word. That's the one that was a sure footing. You cannot fail. It will not fail. Right? It will never fail you. So God is telling us, look, once I've built the foundation of Jesus Christ for you, you have to build on the Word, like Shaman said. Yes. Foundation, foundation is not enough. You need a building on it. Yes. Yeah. Right? That building cannot be built unless you start employing the word of God into your life. You have to start building the building that the Holy Spirit wants to have today. Not what you want. 
right? Because there's a danger when you build what you want or what you think is your ministry. I, I said, God, what if I pack up and leave Calvary Assembly? He says, so what? What if you call me out of Calvary? He says, so what? get into our heads that it is He who rules the universe. It is He who sits upon the waters. It is He who orders everything on a daily basis second by second. Right? But we know that God is good. We know that He has a plan. So He works it out with us. We are co-workers with the Holy Spirit. All we got to do is sit down with Him and He will work it out. And he's working a plan here that even many of us don't see. We don't understand because we cannot see that easily. Because the devil's put veils over our eyes. But we cannot see. You know, I keep saying this over and over again. This church has existed for 40 years. It's seen its up and its downs. And the gates of hell shall not prevail Amen. against this church. Amen. Whether we are here or we are not here is irrelevant. What is relevant is the Holy Spirit is here. Amen. He knows what He's doing. He knows how to take us through the dark periods and the good periods. So we come to the point where we need to allow the Word of God to work in us. And the cleansing of the consciences. That's the most important thing. The blood of Jesus was shed so that it could cleanse our conscience. Right? And then the word of the Spirit that works with the blood helps us to see what the Spirit of the Lord is. So if you go to 1 John 5, you'll find that Jesus hanging on the cross. And how do we know that Jesus was the right man for the job? Right? How do we know? We say, yeah, you know, some people say he did yoga and hung on the cross and that. Other people say all sorts of other things. Right? How do we know that Jesus was the right man for the job? They didn't know. When he came to the earth and he said he was the Messiah, they rejected him. He came unto his own, his own did not receive him. He went to the cross and said, you, you're crazy. You can, if you can heal yourself, get down from the cross. He did all those miracle signs and wonders, what are you doing on the cross? We don't, we don't think you're the right man. You're not the Messiah. Right? You're hanging there because you're a convict. They never believed it. And today the world doesn't believe the cross or what Jesus did on the cross because of that very reason. So how do you know that he was the right man for the <coughs> Because there are witnesses. There are witnesses, there are heavenly witnesses and earthly witnesses. And the two other witnesses besides the blood was the word and the spirit. Okay, so they to confirm that this man who shed his blood on the cross is the accepted person of sacrifice in heaven. So once that is ratified, once that is made clear in heaven, it is done on earth. Okay, whatever is passed in heaven is passed on earth. So you know now through the manifestation of all that God had purposed in Christ Jesus with things like peace, joy, love, hope, abundance of blessings, all the things that God has blessed Abraham with, 
material blessings, spiritual blessings, all that becomes ours. Amen. Now we have to appropriate it, bring it down and, and you know, make it work in, in the midst of darkness. So when we start, you know, operating in the light, he starts to put a perimeter, a, a boundary around this place. Right? Darkness is outside of that light. It's not inside here, it's outside. So if, you're, if the darkness in your mind is great, then there's no light. If you hate your brother, right, you are in darkness. It says that in the Bible. So you must know who your brother is before you realize whether you hate him or not. Because not everyone who's a brother says he's a, he's a true brother. Right? That doesn't mean you can hate people, it just means that you've got to know who these people are. And that's where it's getting to in the last days. This is what I want to finish up on, is that in the last days, it's getting to be who's who in the kingdom of God. Because they all are starting to look like wheat and tent. They're all looking the same. And the, fun, the line is so fine between light and darkness that the only one who can show you the difference is the Holy Spirit using the word and the blood. Amen. Amen. Right? Yep. So we've got to begin to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. Let's go to 1 John 5, 7 in finishing. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, which is the Word, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which He has testified of His Son. So he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the, God, the record that God gave his Son. And this is the record that God hath given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Now, you're preaching the gospel based on the eternal Son, and he's, and he's speaking into the lives of people, and people are getting saved. Huh? Thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions are getting saved all over the world. But millions are not going to make it to the end. I'm sorry to say that. Because they don't maintain the life of the sun in them. Yeah. What they do is they take it upon themselves to accept the label. But they don't accept the responsibilities and conditions of salvation that uh, are required and they lose out but they're there in the church they look like a Christian they quack like a Christian you know they talk like a Christian they put their hands up like a Christian but they're not a Christian and the Holy Spirit needs to show us because the last days it's only going to be a remnant okay it's only going to be a remnant maybe the remnant is millions and millions but it's going to be a remnant amongst billions there's seven billion people in the world. 
Okay? And if you get a, a half of one billion saved, it's only a remnant. So what happens to six billion people? Right? So this is where our dilemma is. This is what the situation is. That those who are saved and brought into the church, we need to nurture them. We need to bring in discipleship in a way that they understand that it is, this is the conditions and the ways of the Lord and you must walk in it. Otherwise what happens is you get into the general consensus of what church is, the building is, the, the vastness of the church, the money in the church, the glory of, of a man's charisma and, and you think, wow, that, that's the church, that's not the church. We're just coming from a country. We, we heard some very disturbing news. And I'm sorry to share this with you. But someone we know, we wouldn't consider him a friend, but we know him well. He's a male prostitute in the church, leading worship, and the pastor knows about That's why I'm telling you, don't just walk around with your eyes closed. Okay? Don't walk around with your eyes closed. It's called HIV as well. Where is the justification of Christianity when a pastor can entertain sin in the church and call it good? I refuse to do that. I don't care if we become, you know, less than what we are now even. But I will not compromise. Okay? I will not compromise on the word of God because I'm about saving souls. And souls are not saved just because they accept Jesus Christ. Souls are saved when they walk through to the end. As good, solid Christians. You don't, you know, even if you don't grow, even if you don't raise the dead or cleanse the lepers or do any of those things, it doesn't worry me. What worries me is what is the condition of your soul? Reinhard Bonnke, before he died, his last message was strive to enter into the narrow gate. Yeah. Strive. That word strive means to wrestle. Right? Who are you wrestling with? One is you're wrestling with God. The other is you're wrestling with the devil. Right? Because God wants to deal with you. God wants to deal with your soul. God wants to deal with that heart that has gone into darkness somehow. And even you don't know it. And unless you open your soul up to God. And say, God, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way. Miracle signs and wonders don't make it. They don't cut it in heaven. They are just the power of God operating through a vessel. Right? It's the soul. It's the soul. And I was listening to Sid Roth yesterday. Tracy Cook was a prophet, very powerful man of God. Said that God's going to deal with the churches in the last days, especially in America. He says they have got homosexuals leading worship, homosexuals doing stuff. In the church and agreed, accepted, 
pastors know about it. He said, God's not willing to accept that and he's going to deal with it. And you're going to see a falling of churches. You're going to see a falling of ministers like never before. Many years ago, I'm talking 10, 10 to 12 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, I met a guy from America and he said, they're falling like flies. I'm talking 15 years ago. Yeah. Right? So what are they falling like now? Yeah. Yeah. It's a deluge. It's an attack on the body of Christ. It's an attack on righteousness. It's an attack on your soul. It's an attack on your mind. And you know, when we focus on small things, we will become small. Yeah. Yeah. Open your eyes. He said, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Amen? And if He's calling us children, we need to behave like children of God. So let's change. Let's turn from our wicked ways. Let's take away that despair, that anger, that frustration, and unforgiveness, and offenses, and all of those things, and start to operate in the things that are of the light. Amen? And God will bless us. You know, if you read Isaiah 60, it goes on to say that he's going to bring all the Gentiles in and they will bring all their wealth with them. Right? I'm waiting, I'm actually literally, you might laugh at me, but I'm literally waiting for some sheikh from the Middle East to give me a billion dollars. Yeah? And I've been telling people in India, I said, you know, we are a minority in India today. We're being persecuted left, right and center. Okay? I said, but the day is coming when we will be a majority. And they will come to us. They will come to us because the demons will be so much on the earth. They'll be riddling them with all sorts of evil that there will be no one to deliver them except the Christians. And the same thing is going to happen here. So don't despair, don't worry about what's happening in the Southwest Corridor. As I said, give it to the Lord, He'll take care of it. Why is He sending us overseas? We've been to 14, how many? 13 or 14 nations. Uganda's growing, everybody's growing. Wherever we've gone, everybody's growing. We're reaching 100 nations through the website. We're getting depleted over here, but we're increasing everybody out there. Who's, who's sufficient for that kind of equation? You've got to stand. You have to stand in the last days. Right? Otherwise you're going to be eaten up. You're going to go into your despair and your depression and your oppression and you'll be criticizing the church and criticizing what God is doing <laughs> without understanding. Because the devil's going to come. Stay strong folks. Stay focused on Jesus. And partake of the harvest, even now, and what is coming. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we lift up the name that is above every other name. We bow our knees to you, we humble ourselves, and we say we don't always understand your ways. But thank you for blessing us and showing us what it is that we must do whilst we are here on this earth. And though there is darkness around us, we know light shines in us. Thank you that all of us will, will shine the light that will draw many to the kingdom of God. 
into the salvation of their souls. And they will bless you with the works that they bring that are worthy of repentance. Help us, Lord, that we will not be disobedient to the vision you have given us, which is to raise more horses. And we know it's increasing as we go into the highways and the byways of this world that are many willing to come with us to put their hands to the plow and we bless them too. And we pray for them too. And we say, Lord, make it all clear to us even more so. And as we depend upon you, Lord, let our confidence grow. You said we will never be ashamed. So we thank you and we bless you and honor you. Be with us the rest of this day. We'll give you glory, honor, and praise, and thanks. In Jesus' name.